0: Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles Podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bowhunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. All right, happy Monday, everybody. And I am still fighting this sinus infection that I probably picked up from the ATA show. Um... It's probably a mixture of thousands of handshakes, staying up too late, and drinking too much uh, brown liquor. So uh, it's probably my own fault I got this. But I'm alive, I'm still here, and I'm still putting out a podcast. So today... We are going to be talking with a gentleman named Paul Anir, and Paul is going to do a product review podcast with us today, and he's going to be talking about uh, block targets, Tenzing backpacks, and uh, cutting back trail cameras that he has had experience with, and uh, he's going to talk about the price, he's going to talk about the features that he likes and dislikes, and then... Um, Elaborate on why he decided to buy them, what other uh, cameras or uh, what other products he maybe uh, put them up against before he purchased, and then uh, if he would recommend those products to you guys. So I'm going to keep this intro short because it actually hurts to talk, but I'm, I'm a man, so I'm not going to complain about that. But before we get into today's podcast, I spoke with Matt Klein from Exodus Trail Cameras about what inspired Matt and Chad to start Exodus. Uh, You know, the biggest thing
1: I believe... That got us to this point is just frustration, not being happy with the products that were out there on the market, wanting to see better options on the market, looking around at all the all the hype and the buzz and the endorsements that go on in this industry, and wanting to see products, at least in the trail camera side of things, that we could get into, um, that were built solid, that were backed with great customer service, and that would last longer than two or three years was was really the biggest thing for
0: us. As always, if you guys want to find out more information about Exodus Trail Cameras, be sure to visit ExodusOutdoorGear.com. And as you're browsing through their website and you do decide to purchase a trail camera, use the code 9FINGERS. That's the number 9 followed by the word FINGERS, no spaces, and you will receive $20 off of your purchase. Now, let's get into today's podcast with Paul Anir. All right. On the phone with me now is Paul Anir. How are you doing today, Paul? Doing pretty good, Dan. How about yourself? I tell you what, I'm fighting a cold, so I'm sure all the listeners out there can uh, can hear that. But uh, so bear with me if I turn my head and cough or sneeze. I'm sorry. I just wanted to make sure I, I got a podcast out uh, today. But uh, before we start uh, talking about you know, doing some of these product reviews that we're going to be doing today. Today is a a product review podcast. Um, why don't you tell me where you're from and what do you do for a living? Yeah, I'm originally
1: from, uh, Southwest Wisconsin, um,
0: Richland County to be specific.
1: Um, I was born and raised there. Uh, I was fortunate enough to grow up on a, uh, um, a family farm, basically where my, uh, my parents, um, have lived there since, uh, I think 1986, um, they've, uh, had 40 acres for quite a while. And then, uh, in the early 2000s acquired some more land. And, uh, now we are up to, uh, my parents are up to about 120 acres in, in Richland County. So it's, uh, it's a great area to be from, to, uh, to grow up and especially to hunt and fish. Um, just an awesome place to, uh, to call my home.
0: Perfect. And now I,
1: and then- I, I currently live in, uh, in Green Bay, Wisconsin.
0: Okay, so do you go back home to that uh, area to, to hunt, or do you have uh, property in, around Green Bay? I do go back to my parents' farm in,
1: in Richland County um, quite often to hunt, um, especially uh, come rut. Um, I, have a, I have a small kid, so that kind of prevents me from getting home a lot. But um, I do have some properties up here um, in the Green Bay area, uh, just south of Green Bay. Um, I kind of knocked on some doors and got permission that way. And I'm fortunate enough to have some pretty good bucks to chase up here as well.
0: Perfect. So um, how far out of town do you have to travel to get to your hunting properties outside of Green Bay?
1: I'm um, pretty fortunate. I only have to travel about five minutes to go to one oh, of my nice. hunting spots. So it's, uh, it's a pretty nice little area to just kind of hop in the car and, and get ready and go. So it, it, it's perfect.
0: Nice, nice. And, and what do you do for a living?
1: I work for a trucking company. Okay. Help uh, dispatch trucks and uh, manage uh, the accounts uh, for our customers and book freight and whatnot. So,
0: yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. All right. Um, How was your How was your season this year?
1: You know, it went okay. Um, I actually got to hunt a lot. Um, Opening weekend at my parents, um, we uh, we put in a food plot this year, a clover food plot um, turned out really well, um, even better than what we could have imagined. We knew it was going to be a really good spot for a food plot, um, kind of cleared out some brush and, uh, and made it into a really nice clover and hickory plot, um, hunted over that opening night in, uh, in Wisconsin. And I actually missed a doe, unfortunately, but, um, the next week, um, coming back here to the Green Bay area, I was able to harvest a doe on one of my properties that I had permission to hunt on. So that was Excellent. Um, got some meat in the freezer right away in the early season, and uh, and then I didn't really hunt much until um, late October. Um, I kind of had to take some forced vacation due to uh, no daycare. So mm-hmm. me and my son headed back to my parents' my parents' property in Richland County um, for six days. I think it was in late October. Um, hunted really hard. Um, I saw a lot of small bucks. Saw some does. Um, my father was actually able to harvest a really nice buck, um, on that clover food plot that I had mentioned earlier, um, right. on a really nice, warm, windy day in October. It was October 23rd, actually, um, okay. shot a really nice buck. And so that was, that was good. Um, so what's, came uh, home...
0: what's really nice. What's a really nice buck. What it was, what would he, that he shot?
1: Yeah, I guess for us, um, we've been trying to really manage the past couple of years, uh, passing up on, on some smaller bucks. Um, it, it grossed 135 inches, okay. um, and I think it, it's going to be right around 130. It was just a, a really nice, heavy buck um, with some character, cool. um, and that, that's his biggest bull buck to date. Uh, my dad took a lot of time off in his uh, his younger years when he was raising us boys to uh, show us the outdoors and stuff, so he's he's just now kind of getting – getting really back into bow hunting and getting serious about it. Um, but it, it was a really great buck and it was awesome to share that memory with him.
0: Cool. And then what happened after that?
1: Yeah. So a couple weeks later, I was able to take a three day weekend and head back to my parents. Um, first couple days were, were hard hunting. And then, uh, on the last day of that vacation, I, I packed in a climber up to, uh, one of these ridge tops. It's it's kind of a really, almost like a skinny ridge where uh, it's really hilly in southwest Wisconsin, lots of bluffs, um, steep terrain. And that's that's my parents' property for sure. And uh, kind of packed up a climber up to the skinny ridge. And uh, it, it's an area that just always produces for us. And got up in the climber um, in a tree I'd never been in before. Then within about 45 minutes, um, a nice eight-point Kind of came came from our neighbors from a, a nice little thick brushy area, um, just kind of cruising, had um, his nose to the ground, just kind of walking around, um, definitely searching downwind of a bedding area for some does, and got within range, um, put the shot on him, and I, I drilled him right in the shoulder. Um, I use a muzzy broadhead. Um, I have an older style bow, uh, but it, you know it shoots pretty good, and it's just what I have to deal with right now. But uh, thought I put a good shot on him. And he ran away with the arrow. Um, I'd say it penetrated about six inches once I found the arrow. Um, tracked him that night because we found a decent amount of blood. Uh, tracked him for 150 yards that night for a um, couple hours because then we just started looking for a white belly in the area that we thought he might go to. Um, we ended up backing out. Uh, we didn't go any, any farther than that blood trail. We kind of stayed where the blood trail ended and searched side to side. Um, and then we decided to back out and, uh, we probably searched a little too much that night. The next morning woke up right at first light, went out and searched for him again, found just droplets of blood on a trail that he ended up taking that we hadn't found the night before. And, uh, then we got permission from some neighbors to, uh, search around and we, I unfortunately did not end up finding that buck. Um, he was just a solid 125 inch, uh, two year old. Um, that's kind of, uh, you know, 125 is kind of what I'm looking for now. Um, right. hopefully in the next couple of years, I'll be bumping that up a little bit, but unfortunately I did not find him. And then, uh, gun season, um, I failed to see a lot of deer at all. I had the entire gun season off actually. Um, didn't see many bucks. Um, again, my, my father was able to put a decent one on the ground, about 125 inch, uh, buck that had some more character. It was nice 13 pointer. But uh, I failed to get a deer during the gun season, so I just ended my season with a doe kill.
0: Hey, man, I've had uh, plenty of those seasons where they just, you know, obviously don't try to work out like you like you plan or you hit a buck. And then it's just, it almost feels like it's all downhill after that. But, but uh, at least we, you know, at least in those uh, seasons, you still get to get out and hunt. Absolutely. It's awesome just to be able to
1: get out. And uh enjoy nature if anything, and then anything else is gravy.
0: Right, right. All right. Well let's get into this, uh these product reviews. And when you initially contacted me, um the first product, and that's what we're gonna start off here today, is the uh is the block target. And and you mentioned in there about it being easy to you know, easy to throw out, and then just get your arch- archery practice in. Has has that been something that, in the past, you know, you you just haven't been able to practice as much as you as you wanted?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, like when I grew up at my parents' farm, uh, we always uh, had a big bulky target. Um, also, way back in the day, my dad would uh, would break out some hay bales. Um, I know a lot of people out in the country have done that as well. I'm sure I'm not the only one. Um, so yeah, we we used to shoot at hay bales and then just these really big blocky, um, just oversized targets that you almost had to have like two people to drag it out in the yard, uh, to be able to shoot. Um, so it's, it's kind of a new experience for me because this is so mobile and you could just really take it anywhere. I mean, you could put it in a small car in the trunk and drive it out to uh, you know like some public land and shoot. That's kind of what I've done before. Um, I shoot it in my basement some, so it's just a very versatile um, target, and it's it's just overall a, a pretty good product.
0: The more you use the broadhead side of things, the more damage it does to the actual target. So have you, I mean, have you noticed that there is really heavy wear? when you do decide to shoot broadheads?
1: Yeah, I have noticed that a little bit. Um, to be honest, I wouldn't say it's a huge, huge difference from shooting okay. the uh, the field tips. It seems to hold up pretty good with the uh, with the fixed blade broadheads that I shoot. As long as you're careful with the removal and don't twist the arrow side to side. It's the, I mean, yeah, you're going to remove some foam and you're not going to want to shoot, you know, 80, 20, uh, you know, broadheads to field points. You know, I'm I'm trying to make it like a you know like a seventy, thirty percentage. You know, I mean I, I really like to shoot my broadheads and make sure those are tuned in. Um and this is seems to be a really good target to do that. But yeah, you're you're gonna get that foam removal, especially especially if you're shooting broadheads at the same uh target point. You know, you're trying to really group those arrows, you're gonna get some
0: foam removal. Okay. So where do you, uh, where do you store it? Is this something that you keep outside the entire year, or do you bring it into your garage and then take it out whenever you want to hunt?
1: Right now, it's stored in my basement. Um, I, okay. I like to shoot in my basement. Some I have a, a a decent sized basement where I'm able to shoot about sixteen, seventeen yards. Okay. Um, so I just store it down there. Um, I kind of have a little little nook corner where I have all my hunting stuff, and it, it's you know compact and small enough to where it doesn't take up much room.
0: Okay. So then when you're down there shooting this, do the arrows, I mean, do they blast all the way up to the fletchings or does it do a really good job of of stopping the arrow before, you know, it starts popping out to the other side?
1: Yeah, it does a really good job of stopping the arrow. Um, I don't get uh, a whole lot of penetration. It, it seems to really stop that arrow good because of that layering system, I think. Um, that's what's, that's, what's nice about that. So arrow removal, um, is easier since it doesn't get so far, but arrow removal from this target can be a little bit difficult. It's just because of that layer, I think it it makes it, you know, stop harder and then to pull it back out, it, it it can get a little difficult.
0: Okay. So, and that was my next question. How easy is it to pull the arrows out, um, pull the arrows out of this target, with both field tips and broadheads
1: yeah i'd say with broadheads it's going to be a little bit more resistance it's not going to be simple um i mean yeah you, you definitely you sometimes have to get on your um uh, your hands and knees a little bit and kind of lean into it give it a good pull you know so you know for um you know some elderly hunters or, or people that you know have a you know, back injury or something like that this probably isn't going to be the perfect target for them uh but for me i'm 27 years old and uh you know i I could get down and and
0: yank it out pretty good but it's uh yeah it's not a simple arrow removal i wouldn't say okay i mean it's is it is it hard because i've i've shot some targets before where you really have to pull on the arrow to get them out i wouldn't say it's hard uh but it's it's getting there (laughs) gotcha okay so Overall, are you happy with the, the block target? I mean, what, when you bought it, what did it cost?
1: I think it was a uh, hundred dollars. Exactly. Uh, right. 99.99. Okay. I think is what it was. Um, that Cabela's is where
0: I purchased it. Gotcha. I'm on that. I'm actually on the block target, uh, website right now and the block classic 18 looks like it is $70 right now. Uh, when you, when you look to to purchase it, uh, off their website. Now, is this something that you, uh, would purchase again? Let's say, you know, you shoot so much it's, uh, you know, it's starting to, all the arrows are starting to pass all the way through. It's time to start looking at a new target. It's, it's giving you the, you know, the quality of life, I guess that, uh, that, uh, you know, you feel like you've got your money out of it and you're looking to buy a new target. Are you going to be purchasing another block target or are you going to be looking elsewhere?
1: I think I'm definitely going to be purchasing another block. Um, it, it just, for me, it fits perfect uh, for my, I, I guess my, my lifestyle, Mo- you know, moving around. I like to drive out to a public spot that's about 10 minutes away yeah. and so just when I want to get some outdoor shooting in. Um, right. in, I live in a neighborhood, I can't shoot in my neighborhood. Um, So I'll take it out to some public land and toss it in the car real quick. Um, I'll take it to my parents when I go hunting there. Um, It's just so easy and so portable. Um, I I just really like that about the target. So I think I'll definitely be looking at at block for my next target.
0: Perfect. So you would recommend that to other uh, archers? I would. Yep.
1: It's, uh, you know, some of the things I don't love about it, you know, that, that arrow removal, it can get a little bit difficult. I would say it's hard. Um, and the target's pretty small. Um, you know, it's a, if you're wanting to practice, you know, 60, 70 yards, uh, like some people do, um, it's, I wouldn't say it's necessarily the target for that. Um, uh, cause it's, you know, some of the, the side aiming points are just about four inches away from missing, you know, right. and if you're in tall grass and whatnot, um, you're you're going to lose some arrows probably. And we all know those aren't super cheap these days anyway. Um, so, you know, it can get, you can get a little small if you're getting out there to some pretty good ranges.
0: Okay, cool, cool, cool. All right. So the next product um, on the list is a Tenzing backpack uh, that you're that we're going to review here. Uh, why don't you tell us what specific Tenzing backpack it is? It's the Tenzing TV twelve hundred. Okay. And how old is this backpack? how many years have you used it? This is actually my first season of using it. Okay.
1: Um, so I've, I've, it's pretty new to me. Um, haven't taken it out a whole lot, but, uh, yeah, it's, it seemed to hold up, held up really well so far. And it's, uh, seems like a really good backpack.
0: Okay. So what backpack did you have before you purchased this Tenzing?
1: Yeah, I had a really cheap one. Um, <laughs> to be honest, it was from, right. uh, a big box retailer um, just bought a really, you know, just a a normal backpack. I mean, just like some, you know, twenty bucks, fifteen bucks, whatever it was, um, something cheap. It didn't. It wasn't very ergonomic. It didn't uh, didn't do anything special. It wasn't one of those backpacks that you put on and you're like, wow, you know, I could go like out west with this thing or this is like a backpack for the mobile hunter. You know, where you're setting up and tearing down using climbers, stuff like that. Um, yeah, it, it just was pretty much a basic. Um, backpack. I think it was, um, the company name was Allen maybe.
0: Okay. So, so that was your, your uh, old backpack. Why did you decide on a Tenzing and how many backpacks did you decide to, uh, look at before you decided to go with this, uh, TZ 1200?
1: Yeah. So the reason I was looking is because my old backpack, uh, started to rip a little bit. (laughs) Um, I carried, uh, you know just some backup things in my pack like another bow hanger in case I get to a tree and I realized I didn't have one up there um, and I, I actually had a bow hanger in this old backpack that poked through um, the bottom and created a big rip and then throughout this season it really started to tear and uh, and that's where I was kind of like you know what I think I I think I need something a little bit more well-built um, something that's it's going to be comfortable um, not bulky and so that's where I, you know, I walked on and, and really spent a lot of time looking at backpacks. Um, it doesn't seem like such a huge purchase, but I was wanting to make sure that I got the right one that could last for, you know, 20 years. And so I looked at a lot of companies, um, some uh, just, you know, big box retailers that have their own brand of uh, backpacks and just decided that uh, Tenzing was going to be the one. It looked like it was for, you know, for the hunter that likes to be on the go Um, I like, I use climbers every so often. So I like to have something that's really secure and well fit to my back that doesn't feel like it's, uh, sliding off to one side, um, and and stuff like that. So it it just seemed like Tenzing was the right fit. Okay.
0: What other brands did you look at?
1: Um, I think I looked at, um, like I said, just the normal, uh, backpacks that some of the big box retailers have their own brands. I think I looked at, um, let me look here and I'm going to log on here and look at a website quick. Um, I think it was, uh, Dakota was one of the brands, I believe. Um, okay. let me verify that. I want to make sure that I, uh, got that right. But I looked at, you know, just all the brands out there pretty much and, and looked at a price range that was kind of where I was, uh, going to be, um, and, and this tending seemed to be just the perfect fit.
0: Okay. So what was that price range that you wanted to keep this pack in, um, like in, in that price range? What was that price range?
1: Um, it was anywhere for, I think, uh, about, um, 80 to about 120 bucks is kind of was what I was looking to spend. And real quick, it looks like Fieldline uh, field line was one of the brands I was looking at, uh, Badlands was one of the brands. Okay. Um, yeah, so and then just varied.
0: What did this? What did this? What did T twelve hundred cost? It was right at a hundred dollars. Um, okay.
1: I think I I got it on a, a decent uh, special around the,
0: uh,
1: uh, Black Friday this year, so it was a pretty good deal.
0: Okay. So, what were some of the features about this pack that really turned you on to it?
1: Well, my old backpack just had like a a main compartment, just one huge main compartment. And I really didn't like that for a lot of reasons because, uh, you know, I like to take, uh, you know, if I have a camera back at the house, um, a trail camera, I like to put a a trail camera in there in case I'm putting it back out in the woods. I like to uh, keep my calls, my my rattle bag, um, the wind checker. Um, some trail markers for, you know, if I'm setting up a new, new stand and I need to get there the next morning, I can put those in there. And it just, the tensing has so many compartments that I can, you know, in a few years, once I get it memorized to where I know where I'm putting all these products, it's going to be so simple to be like, Oh, my rattle bag is in the first big compartment or my trail camera backup batteries are in this small compartment in the front. Um, it's got a, a cup holder compartment you're on the side. It's just got so many little areas to put things to where, you know, the the hunter who just really likes to take everything with them to the tree. um, Like me, that there's just so many compartments. Once you get it all memorized of where you're going to put things, it's just going to come like second nature to reach in, you know, one of these compartments that it has set aside.
0: Right. So when it comes to, you know, carrying stuff in and out, um, are are most of your stands that you have uh, pre-hung before the season starts, or do you ever do any type of run and gun uh, hunting?
1: I would say seventy five percent of my stand sites are preset. Okay. Um, we have uh, since my parents have owned their property so long, uh, we have a we have a pretty good idea of where we need to be um, at a certain time of year. But then there's always those those moments where you see something odd and you kind of think, you know, man, I think I should probably be there. Um, so I, I have a climber that I, I like. I don't have um stick and stand that is very versatile right now. I'd like to add that. But right now, a climber is about as versatile um, an item as I use. So I do a, a little bit of, uh, you know, run and gunning where you're, you know, you're seeing some movement that may, uh, change what you previously thought.
0: Gotcha. So, I like to, depending on if my stands hung or not, I like to dress in the tree stand. so I'm not so hot walking in. I like, especially for some of my heavy layers, is are there is there sufficient room in this pack or able to strap to the back? You know, uh, strap onto your pack. Uh, you either. Like a jacket or some overalls or some additional clothing, so that you you know you're not sweating when you get to the stand.
1: Yeah, so that's one downside of this pack. It seems like it, you know it is pretty small and compact, which I really like. Um, I don't have a whole lot of those really grueling long walks, although uh, I have some short walks up 1,200 foot bluffs at my parents that you know right. can get a little sweaty. But yeah, I. I wouldn't say you could put bulky clothing items in this backpack. It's just, it's really not built for that. Um, so that, okay. that is a downside if you like to, you know, basically walk to the tree in a t-shirt in 20 degree weather, like I do sometimes cause you get so sweaty. Um, right. it's not gonna, it's not gonna work for that, unfortunately.
0: Okay. So then, um, are there straps on the, um, outside of it to strap, additional gear if needed
1: yeah there there is
0: um they have a little mesh pocket here
1: on the very back that could uh could definitely hold like you know i like to keep some trail camera batteries some double a batteries in my pack at all times in case i'm I'm moving around and i i realize i haven't pulled a camera for a while and it looks like the the batteries are a little bit low i can i can put some batteries there um you there are some uh foam kind of like an elastic uh string around the outside of this backpack that that you could strap some things into. Um, I would be a little bit leery of that. Just, it looks like it's not going to really hold something super secure and I, I don't want to risk losing something in the woods, but, um, yeah. And and there's a little, almost like a, like, I don't know if, you know, the listeners are familiar with looking like a a baby carrier. There's almost like a little thing in the back here that, um, you could fit some things down in and it, it, it's not a zipper, but it's an outside little, you know, area where you can just fit things down and then those elastic lines around the outside kind of hold that in tight. So whatever product or item that you're going to put in there, it seems like it's going to hold in there pretty secure.
0: So that's kind of a nice feature too. Right. Okay. Um, is there anything about this pack that, um, that you, you would change if you were the designer or, um, add to it or maybe just cut all together?
1: Yeah, I would say probably those elastic,
0: um, strings
1: on the outside here. It seems like every, uh, every pack manufacturer seems to add those, those little draw cord strings on the back of backpacks. And it seems like they never real, they never really, uh, serve much of a purpose is what i've kind of noticed um so i would probably cut that out it just seems like unnecessary um you know manufacturing on their end and then it it just kind of looks messy on the backpack and it could get caught on something and you know you could get it caught on a tree step and it could snap and make a noise or something um but overall it seems like a really quiet backpack The, the material is just very um it's almost like a fleece material um it's not, but it 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 almost is. It just kind of feels like that. It's so quiet. Um, right. So overall, it's it's a great backpack. But it seems like those draw cords. I would I would
0: just get rid of those. Now, is there a toggle on that bag where those draw strings lead, like lead that you could that you're supposed to tighten it? Tighten there those is draws. Okay. Yep. I, yep. I've I've noticed it doesn't that seem to get real tight. Yeah, I've noticed that not necessarily with a tinzing, but for other packs that i've used it's like that toggle lasts like maybe a couple months and then it's so stretched out that you can't tighten it anymore without it auto like loosening by itself when you're walking
1: yeah yeah i agree i agree and it seems like this one's going to uh, last a little bit longer but overall i just think it it doesn't you don't look at it and go you know wow that's that's for this sort of item to hold in there tight. Um, I think it's just kind of just kind of there and it doesn't, doesn't make a whole
0: lot of sense. Right. Okay. Now, you know, looking back at this purchase, would you have maybe got a bigger backpack and maybe spent maybe a little bit more money on a backpack, um, knowing what you know now about, about this backpack or are you happy with this purchase?
1: I'm pretty happy with it. Um, okay. it's, it's very ergonomical and it's, it's small, which I, you know, like you said, you, you can't really, I, you can't pack clothes in it, but you know, I guess like I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk to my tree no matter what, you know, I'm not right. gonna, if I, just because I can't pack clothes in my backpack, you know, that doesn't mean I'm not hunting. I'm, I'm just going to hold those clothes or swing them over my shoulder, um, carry my bow and it might be a grueling walk, but you know, you're going to get to the tree cause you know, you got to hunt, you know, but, uh, this is, it's a small backpack, but it's got a really nice, um, front clip that you can hook around your belly and snap in front of you. And then it's also got one a little bit lower that would, um, you bring straps around your body and hook it, uh, at right about hip height or a little, a okay. little bit higher, kind of right, right below your belly button. And it's just, you know, like I said, for the mobile hunter, it doesn't even feel like you have a backpack on. Um, it's gotcha. so light and, You know, you can't really fit gigantic heavy items in your backpack anyway. And so there's times where if you're wearing enough clothing, you hardly even know it's on. And if you're using a climber, you know, that's kind of a a grueling um, process to get up in a tree 20 feet in a climber, right? I mean, you're working, you're kind of working hard. And the last thing I want is something heavy and bulky on my back to weigh me down. And once I get up in the tree, it's like, oh, I have a backpack on, (laughs) you know, and it's just, it's so small. And, uh, but yet big enough to fit all the necessary things that I would want to hunt with.
0: Other than those drawstrings, um, that connect to that toggle, is there anything else that you, uh, are not a big fan of on this? Do you have anything, I guess, uh, uh, critical to say about it? Um, I don't No, I wouldn't say, uh, I guess some of the, there's
1: where you connect, um, the, both of the straps in the front around your kind of just below your belly buttons, um, on the back of the backpack, there's like a green pattern. Like the whole backpack is the same, um, product feel. It's like the same material. And then once you get lower, um, around this, uh, area that you would connect just below your belly button, it changes product material and it's, it's kind of noisy and loud. Um, okay. it seems like almost like a, a school backpack, you know, your, your gotcha. a backpack, your kids would take to school. It's, it's really loud and it's, it can kind of create some noise if you're rubbing up against it or if just something happens and you, you hit it. Um, it, it seems to be pretty loud. So I'm not sure why they changed, um, the product material from the top of the backpack. Um, and, and made it different on the bottom. That's one complaint that I would have about it.
0: And, I had the guy from Tenzing on uh, this show a while ago. So to all the listeners right now, after this podcast, go check out the Tenzing uh, podcast that I did with a guy named Jay Robert. He's the guy who designed all designs, all the Tenzing, uh packs. And I'm pretty sure there's a reason for that, but it's, off the top of my head, I can't remember what that is. But, uh, after the, this podcast, go check out the tinzing podcast that, uh, I've done previously and, uh, you may get some more information on, uh, on what you're talking about. So would you buy this backpack again? I would. Yep.
1: I would, I would buy it again and I would recommend it to, uh, to friends who are just looking to carry the bare minimum to the tree. Right. Um, I definitely recommend it.
0: Cool. Cool. All right. Let's see here. Uh, last product on our list today is the, is a Cuttyback trail camera. Um, so what specific Cuddyback trail camera are we going to be talking about?
1: Uh, we're going to be talking about the, uh, long range IR. And I think they
0: they also call it the E2 model. Okay. All righty. Now, how many trail cameras do you have? Um,
1: Last year, after getting one stolen, um, I have uh, five currently.
0: Okay. Are they all cuttybacks? backs? They are not.
1: Nope. I have uh, four cuttybacks. backs. Actually, I have six total now. I got one just recently. Six total, uh, four cutty backs a moultrie and a, a wild game innovations. That was a gift to me.
0: Gotcha. All right. So the first question is um, you, you've purchased four Cuddy trail cameras. Um, are, and they, are they all that I long range IR E2? Two, two of them are. Two of them are. Okay. Now, What, uh, what specifically about this long range IRE2 that is it, I mean, what are some of the positives? What do you like about it? Why, why did you purchase that one? And then do me a favor and talk about why you decided not to stay with that trail camera when you went to purchase your next trail cameras.
1: Yeah. So I, what I really love about the Cuddybacks and it seems like they kind of, uh, you know, talk about this a lot when they advertise the cameras is the trigger speed. It seems like, I mean, I've I've gotten so many pictures of running deer. Um, you know, yeah. in, in most trail camera manuals, they they tell you to kind of angle um, the camera down a trail uh, and not face it totally perpendicular. So you'll you know you'll get the deer will be in the detection zone for a longer period of time, basically. And with a cutty back, I've noticed that you, you do not have to do that, but the quarter second trigger speed, I think they have, um, it, it really holds up well. Like if you're looking to catch deer, you know, chasing, uh, during the rut or whatever. And if you're wanting to put it, you know, straight perpendicular to that trail and not angle it down the trail, um, you can do that. And you're still going to get a picture of that deer. It seems like every time I pull a cutty back and look at the pics, um, it's a picture of a deer or an animal. I don't get those wind pictures. I'm not getting just a blank shot of a sunrise. I mean, it's a picture of a deer. Um, and that's what I think I, I what's really, what's drawn me to cut back. is just when you pull it, you're going to get deer.
0: Okay. So then on the, um, with that said, you know, kind of elaborating on that, what about all the other features, battery, battery life, good, um, the infrared portion of it good, does it take good nighttime pictures? Um, is it easy to set up all that stuff?
1: Yeah. So I would say that they've really improved on their battery life. Like I said, I have a couple older Cuddyback models and the battery life isn't great on those. Uh, granted, one of them is a a white flash camera, so that's never going to be excellent, but, uh, the battery life on this camera is great. Um, you know, where I live, where my, uh, main property is in Southwest Wisconsin. I mean, it's obviously really cold. Um, and you know, I, I, leave it out all winter and I can have a camera run on the same set of batteries from, you know, early October through, you know, like mid February. And for, I, I think that's excellent for the, the condition that I'm putting that camera through. Um, I've been very happy with the battery life and even on low battery, it seems to still take pretty good night pictures. Um, overall, I wouldn't say the night pictures are excellent. I've, I've worked with better cam- you know, I, I've had better cameras that I've, I've worked out that have, you know, really put up some good night pictures. Um, and the video mode on this new Cuttyback isn't excellent either. It gets a little bit grainy on the nighttime video, and I like to use video because you're, you know, a, a picture is is great, but you know, what's a what's a video? That's that's excellent. You, you know, you get to see everything about that deer and how it's behaving. Um, so I use the video mode a lot, and I wouldn't say I'm very satisfied with the video mode on the Cuttyback. Um, what is good about it is the um, flash range and the detection range at night, um, that, that flash is really lighting up the woods. And if there's a deer, you know, in the background of, of a picture, I mean, you're still going to get a pretty, pretty good, well-lit picture. Um, like I said, it's, it can get a little bit grainy, so you might not have that detail of that night picture, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's that range, that illumination that that's pretty solid. Um, and the, the compact size, I think is another thing that really drew me to this new Cuddyback. Some of the older models are kind of big and bulky. And with a lot of other trail camera companies these days, you see that, that bulky look. Um, although a lot of cameras are moving towards that compact size, but this is a really small camera. They can hide great on a tree. Um, they have that just kind of that brown um, finish to them. Cuddyback is just, It looks like they've all had just that brown finish. It's a really nice look out in the woods. They've never really messed around with a camo camera or like a a black and white, uh, black and a bunch of other colors on the camera. They've never really messed with a design like that. It doesn't seem from my experience. And so it's a nice brown color that goes really well up against like a, a a decent sized sapling. Um, that's kind of a tree that I always look for when I'm setting up this camera. Um, it seems to just really hide well on a sapling. I was, I was in the stand once this fall and I had it on a scrape and I went to that tree and I was like, wait, did I not put the cutty back on that tree? <laughs> and I pulled up my range finder and, and saw that it was still there, but it just, it fit so well up against that sapling that it just, you could hardly tell it was there. I mean, you know, if so, if people are hunting some public land, it's a pretty good camera to hide. Um it, it just seems to really blend in well with the woods.
0: Right. Okay. Um so why did you then I mean it sounds to me like you're happy with this this camera. What did it cost?
1: Uh the E two model, um it, it's right at hundred and fifty dollars. Okay. I think I, I got this uh on Amazon, I believe, uh once for a hundred and forty, but that's that's really the cheapest I've ever seen it so it's right at 150 and for that price point um for it to do the things that it does uh, the daytime pictures are beautiful i've had so many nice pictures of uh of some good daytime movement and the pictures are just fantastic during the day i've i've really never had a bad daytime picture um no graininess to daytime pics um it it just they always produce good pictures um yeah, for I mean, for 150 bucks, you're you're getting a camera that has one of the tra- fastest trigger speeds out there. Um, really great daytime pictures, um, time lapse mode, which is is nice. I don't use that a whole lot, but it, it is a feature that if uh, users wanted to to put that into into work, it it's going to be there. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the night pictures can be kind of off and on, and then that that video at night isn't excellent. There's definitely better cameras out there that have, um, you know, better video mode at night.
0: Okay. So then why did you decide if, if you're, if you're happy with this camera, why did you decide to purchase something that is different for the next trail camera that you purchased or not necessarily because you purchased two of these, right? Then you purchased two additional cutty backs that were different. And then a third Non Cuddyback, right?
1: Actually, I had the old
0: Cuddybacks
1: uh, before I had this uh, long-range E2 model. So uh, okay. you know, I, I had a couple older Cuddybacks, and then I moved up to this model. And then, uh, actually, right around the time I bought these new Cuddybacks, I purchased a uh, a Moultrie camera. Um, okay. And and you know, just as comparison, I think uh, I think I would take the mul- the uh, the Cuddyback over the Moultrie. Um, right. The Moultrie has, you know, some really great nighttime video, which I love. But overall, in terms of, you know, what am I going to have when I pull that camera? You know, I'm going to have a picture of a deer. That quarter second trigger speed is awesome. I I seem to collect more of my good pictures on trails. That's just, you know, how I've kind of run my cameras at my my main property. Um, I kind of just know what trails to put it on year after year. And I'm going to get those pictures. Like I I just rarely get a picture of you know, the back end of a deer or tons of pictures of a, you know, some CRP grass waving in front of it. That's just not going to happen. It seems like the, the sense, the sensor, I guess, on this camera is just, it's just got a nose for figuring out what's a deer and what's, you know, grass waving in front of it.
0: What, uh, why did you purchase a different brand of trail camera i guess that's what i was kind of curious if you're so happy with this e2 why did you decide to go with a moultrie as well and not another e2 i
1: i had never had a moultrie before and i had some friends that you know say pretty good things about them and so i went uh went and bought one of those i think i bought the m888i um and it it seems to be a, a pretty good camera as well for the price that i bought that at um I, I get a lot of pictures of wind and grass blown in front, um, just random pictures of like sunrise, sunset. Um, and so that, that can be really frustrating. You see that, you know, you're, you're pulling a card and it has, you know, 300 pictures. You're super psyched, but then, you know, you're working through that card and you see that, you know, 250 of those are, are wind. Um, that, that doesn't make you too happy. So, it seems like, you know, I might only have, you know, 50, 60 pictures on a, on a cuddyback but it's, and it's pictures of deer, it's pictures of other wildlife that, you know, it's, it's pretty much everything that you're wanting to see.
0: Cool. 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 And, um, so when it's time to buy, you know, purchase another trail camera, are you going to be, uh, um, purchasing cuttybacks again, or are you going to try something different?
1: Um, I might try something different. Um, I wouldn't say it's the camera that, you know, for that 150 price point, like $150 price point that you have to have. I mean, there's other cameras that, that do some different things better than what this Cuddyback does, but you know, still for that $150, the trigger speed, the daytime pictures, it's compact. Um, another thing I didn't mention either, Dan, is that it seals really well. Um, when you're finished, Getting that camera set, you've entered the SD card, you're closing up the whole housing. Um, it has a really nice uh weather resistant seal to it, which some of those other older cuddy backs didn't have. Um I I had water damage to an old cuddy back um through a huge rainstorm, and this these new ones have been through probably worse rainstorms and have held up really well. They have just a really nice weather resistant housing uh, that you can seal. It seems like there's a, a rubber lining around the seal that just really holds it in well. Um, and I wouldn't say I've had, uh, great, uh, weather resistant seals on other cameras. It seems like I, you know, you'll open a, one of my mold trees or something, and you'll get a little bit of that moisture in there, which over time I would think is probably going to damage that camera, but I've had some really good experiences with with the Cuddyback's holding up really good in in wet conditions.
0: Okay. Is other than the nighttime video, is there anything else that uh that you're maybe not a huge fan of on this camera?
1: Yeah. Um the mounting system is interesting. I'm I'm looking on that website now. It looks like they they call it the Genius mounting system. Okay. Um at times I really like it. And then at other times, uh, I don't. So if there's a sapling or a tree that, you know, you're like, wow, this is like the only tree in the woods. that's like perfect for this spot that I'm, I'm wanting to place this camera. If there's a tree that you know, kind of has some, some un, unevenness to it, or it's, uh, you know, it goes forward and then back and then, you know, it's just a little bit off. It's not perfectly yeah. straight. This mounting system can kind of, kind of create some difficulties if you're doing that. Um, what it is, Is a little, uh, just a little plastic piece that uh, you you put the strap through the middle of that plastic piece, and then you uh, actually slide the camera onto that plastic piece. Okay. Um, So it kind of just it kind of just clips in almost, and it's really nice for like those perfectly straight saplings that you can find. You know, like I said, it hides really well against it, and it, it mounts on there really easy. But if you're you know, like I said, if you're looking and, and you find a tree that's uneven um, you know this mounting system can kind of give you some fits whereas uh, other cameras kind of just uh, the actual camera will mount up against the tree whereas this is not you know you're sliding it onto that little plastic piece so you're kind of at the mercy of how that's designed right to to fit it really well up against you know the, the tree that you're looking for so that's it can be positive and then it can be negative too because you know if you don't find the right tree it's it's not a perfect system
0: gotcha so um and you mentioned that you might be looking for the next time you go for a trail camera you might be looking for something different than than a cutting back not be not because it's poor performing because you're happy with it just that you know you're always up for new type of you know something different right
1: exactly exactly i think you know like you've i don't know i i listened to your to the wired to hunt podcast and you and mark always you know you're talking about really do your research you know and that's yeah. i kind of taken that to heart where i want to find that company that you know if there's just a perfect fit where you feel like you're supporting this company and they're putting out a really good product and you're just super happy with it like I, i'm kind of one of those people that likes to likes to research my gear and make sure I'm, I'm putting in the time to, uh, to get something that's, that's going to give me what I'm looking for in terms of performance. So I'll be looking at other cameras for sure. But if there's a, uh, if there's a go-to camera that, you know, like, Hey, I can't make a decision. Um, I think I did that last summer with, with this Cuddyback purchase too. I, I just didn't really know what camera to go with. And I, I got kind of caught up in the reviews online and was like, ah, well, these people are saying this about this camera and, and that about this other one. And I just kind of thought to myself, I'm just going to buy a Cuddy back because I, I know what I'm getting. And, and when I can't make a decision, I, I guess I'm just going to go with the Cuddy back, but yeah, I'm going to be looking at some other, other camera companies in the future for sure. Right.
0: Um, you also mentioned that you got a Wild Game Innovations camera as a gift. Did you get that for Christmas?
1: I did. Yep. So it's pretty pretty new.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I
1: have it out in the woods right now actually. I'm um, doing some late season, well, post season now here in Wisconsin. Doing gotcha. some post season reviews, uh reviews, um uh I guess uh inventory. Roll inventory, roll call. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. Getting those out there and making sure I, I know what bucks survived. So that camera is out in the woods right now.
0: Have you had an opportunity to mess with it at all? I mean, is it performing well or have you, it's just, it's been out since you've got it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty much been out. I took a few pictures with it indoors. Um, those pictures honestly didn't turn out great. Um, it was kind of a cheaper model. Uh, I, gotcha. I don't want to, I don't want to say it's uh you know, a, a POS or anything like that, but I think, right. Um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a lower end model, um, from wild game innovation. So I guess I don't have giant expectations from it. I don't think it's going to be a workhorse for me, but you know, if I'm looking at putting it on a random field or something like that, that's, that's probably the camera I'm going to put out there instead of my so-called, you know, workhorse,
0: workhorse cameras, like my Cuddyback. Gotcha. Cool. Well. Paul, I really appreciate you taking time to uh come on the show. I heard your kid. I heard your kid uh in the background and I can hear my kid in the background, so our little nap time slot that we scheduled here is over for us. <laughs> yeah, that worked out well though. We made it uh almost all the way through. <laughs> almost, almost. That's good enough for me, right? Exactly. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Dan. I really appreciate it. First off, I want to say thanks to Paul for coming on the show and reviewing these products with us. Hopefully, this has uh, provided you, the listeners, with uh, a little insight on these products, and maybe it's a product that you would like to uh, look into at some point. Now, as always, thank you to all your listeners for taking time uh, out of your day to uh Download the podcast, listen to it. And if you guys haven't already, make sure you go check me out on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and uh, social media and whatnot. Because I always put out uh, a lot of content there as well. I post some trail camera pictures and just have some pretty cool conversations with everybody on uh, social media. Another huge shout out to Deer Lab and Exodus, the uh, partners of this podcast. So I really appreciate uh, those two companies for helping me get to where I am today. And then, uh, last but not least, if you guys haven't already, go to iTunes and uh, leave a review of this podcast and uh, let everybody know what you think of it. So I'm going to give my voice a rest, and uh, so I can prepare myself for the rest of the week. Hopefully, you guys have a good rest of your week. Thank you very much for tuning in, and remember, wear your damn safety harness.